Hey, everybody, once again, welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders just like you who are investing in the faith and the future of this amazing next generation. I am your host, Trey McKnight, and in this season of the podcast, we're interviewing some of the speakers we're hosting at Orange Conference 2022, which is coming this April. That's right, it's on the way. Now, we'll talk about what it means to be human and how our churches can better care for the humans in our communities. And we're so excited for you to get to hear this conversation with our interviewer, Dave Adamson, and our guest, Andy Gullihorn. Andy Gullihorn is a singer-songwriter originally from Austin, Texas. He moved to Nashville, Tennessee to attend Belmont University. And after years of playing guitar on the road with his wife and writing songs for various other artists, he started recording his own records again and returned to the road for solo shows. His eighth and most recent record, Everything As It Should Be, released in 2018. Andy was featured on CBS when they realized he went on a walk every day for seven years just to high-five his friend. How amazing is that? It's an incredible story. You should definitely look it up or join us at Orange Conference to hear Andy in person. He's going to be with us. And we can't wait for you to hear this conversation right here, right now. So let's get into it. Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the Think Orange podcast. It's so great to see you. How are things in Texas right now? Um, actually, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh. I, I tricked you by talking about Texas earlier. <laughs> well, I'm actually, going to start over. I think things that's... in Texas, things in Texas are excellent. I was actually there two days ago, and things in Texas are really great. <laughs> but they are also great here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm not even going to start over. Let's just leave that in the podcast. I think yeah. it just makes it a lot more real, right? We were talking beforehand. Yeah. We're actually talking, I want to get this taken care of right now. I was talking about that painting that's behind you. For the people who are listening to this podcast, I want to encourage you to go and uh, watch on YouTube because Andy's sitting in front of this huge painting. Like that looks like it must be five feet, six feet wide, right? Yeah. And it's a picture of, I'm, I'm trying to explain this for our podcast listeners, it's a picture of a canyon with water at the bottom. Can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Why, why have you got that there? Not on the floor, because I want to ask you why you haven't put it on the wall, but what, what is that and what does it depict? It is a uh, painting of part of the Frio River Canyon in uh, Texas, in the hill country of Texas, at a place called Laity Lodge, which is at Laity, L-A-I-T-Y, not Lady Lodge. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, it's one of my favorite uh, retreat centers one of my favorite places to be in the world. It's just beautiful. And um, yeah, this is, I think, a painting of what a, a swimming hole kind of yeah. area that they have there in the wow. canyon. Wow, that's um, awesome. Well, that, that kind of leads us into what I want to talk to you about. Um, as you know, the uh, topic for our Orange Conference that's coming up very soon is Be Human. Is that a place where you feel like you connect back with your own humanity? 
Oh, for sure. It, it definitely is. I think it, for a lot of people, like my friend Gina Hurry, who painted this, was there and she came back and I just, I saw that and just absolutely loved it. But I yeah. think it's, I think being out and uh, they just really honor the beauty of the place. And I think there's something about being there that makes me want to be more present with myself. Yeah. And um, yeah, I hope that's part of being human. It's yeah, like, well, uh, not, not escaping from my own humanity, but just kind of like sitting in it. Yeah. Well, let, let's um, dive a little bit deeper onto that. Pardon the pun because you're sitting in front of a waterhole. Um, what What does it mean for you, Andy, to be human? What does that, what does, what when I say that, that word, what does it mean to be human? What do you think of instantly? Oh, I think a few things. One is to feel your feelings. I think, yeah. uh, I guess if I was a, a robot or a machine, I would be less like, likely to make mistakes. So to me, being human is uh, screwing up. Yeah, and that, that's that's, that's part of it to me. I mean, those are the first two things that come to mind. Actually, feeling your feelings and and making mistakes. Wow, that's actually um, of all the interviews that we've done, I like that answer. Um, nobody's really talked about the mistake part, which now makes me even more glad that I'm going to keep in the fact that I said. How's Texas when you're in Tennessee? (laughs) That shows that I'm human, right? right, (laughs) So when was a time, like, when did you start to realize that idea that making mistakes was human? Because let's be honest, we live in a world where social media wants us to curate everything and only put the best highlights of our life. Um, But what you're talking about is real life, right? You're talking about the real side of humanity, which is making errors. How? First of all, how did you come to that conclusion and how do you balance that, especially on social media? Oh, man, I came to that conclusion just by making a lot of mistakes and making a lot of it's, it's kind of so many that I couldn't deny that I did it. It wasn't my game plan. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. And then um, I think having I've got three kids they are all teenagers at this point. So they're 19, 17 and 14 years old um, and watching them, you know, I see it in the same fear of disappointing people or yeah. making mistakes. Yeah. And as a, as a parent, I'm kind of like, no, you're supposed to do that. Like you're supposed to have these questions. Okay. You're supposed to make mistakes. And so it, it, uh, having kids, uh, I think help kind of have a little bit of grace for that idea that yeah. part of being human is, um, making mistakes. Now, yeah. I don't know how that theologically all works out with Jesus being human and everything, but I, that's not, that's, I'm a musician. I'm not a theologian. So. <laughs> I'll leave that to somebody else. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get comments and reviews about that side of things. But I 100% agree with you. And being a dad, I'm a dad to three girls who are 17, 18, and 21. And okay. being a dad makes you realize how many mistakes you make, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's you good. Have to, you just have to accept it and and uh, and do your best and move on. So, so Andy, how are you teaching your kids that that's okay? Like, is this something that you talk about. I know for me, I, I try to, I try to uh, admit when I've done something wrong and, and make sure that I'm apologizing that I'm trying to show by example, I guess. Is that something that you try to do with your kids as well to pass on what it means to be human? And part of that is, is messing up. For sure. I, that, that has been one of my goals as a parent. Music has taken me into some therapeutic realms. So I do a lot of work yeah. and like intensive therapy weekends and, and, and working with people through, you know, childhood trauma, all this kind of stuff. And they're telling stories about growing up and through hearing all of these stories, I just keep thinking, well, one thing I don't want my kids to be able to say is that my dad never apologized to me Mm. or that my, my dad was always right, you know, or always had to be right. You know, my dad was always right in quotation marks, but um, yeah. So I think apologizing 
uh, has been a big parenting game plan for me. And yeah. just so happens that uh, I create lots of opportunities to use that game plan uh, <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Dude, that is, um, honestly, that's that's really profound, I think. Uh, and I think there's a great parenting tip for everybody who's listening and or watching uh, around that. So so that's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. How does, how does your humanity, Andy, come out in your music? Oh man, I, I hope it comes out in spades, honestly. Uh, I've talked about this before, but I remember hearing an NPR interview with another artist that I, that I loved when he had a new record coming out and Terry Gross was asking him, what should we be able to tell about you as a person from this record? Mm. And he was like, he said, I'm just a storyteller. I'm, I'm absent from the record. You can't, I don't think you can tell anything about me from the record. Wow. And, and I remember thinking, well, one, that's, I don't really think that's true because like, the stories that you choose to tell, even if they're not about yourself, they say something about the stories that you like to tell. Yeah. But second, my second thought was that's the exact opposite of what I want to do with my music. I, I, I kind of want, if, you know, people are going to feel like if they listen to music or go to a concert or something, they're going to feel like they know me Yeah. to some degree. And I want, if that's the case, I want it to be as close to the real me as possible. Yeah. Um, so I try to, it's not all just like all self-reflective stuff, but I'm not afraid of, I kind of think my humanity, like my specific humanity, like all of my experiences in life, yeah. all my successes and failures and my viewpoints on different things. Like anybody can write a song, but uh, I feel like it's my calling to like, just bring whatever's unique about myself into yeah. this, in, into the world through that song. So I, I try to, I try to do that. And I do that by, just trying to be honest and tell true stories about myself. Yeah. Andy, you know, when I listen to your music, I think that's great. I, I certainly feel like I get a glimpse into at least at, at the very least the way you think, right? The, the things that you're pondering. Right, right. But my assumption is that you're not doing it as a self-therapeutic thing. You're, you're, you're also trying to help the listener, your audience to connect with their own humanity. Would that be, would mm -hmm. that be fair? I think that is fair, but I, I will say that the, the first order of business is me connecting with it myself. Yeah, I, I do think I do think it is uh, therapeutic for myself, and I I want to try to write songs that are bringing healing to myself and moving me forward. But yeah. but also the way that I um, experience healing and in, in life and connection is by hearing other people do that with their own lives mm -hmm. and finding find that connection point. So my hope is that. Mm -hmm. In, in kind of doing something that feels true to me and, and something that, that I feel like I need. Yeah. Maybe there's some, maybe there's somebody else in the world that needs it too. And maybe they can connect to that. And if not, well, at least I, I met my first objective, which was just a purely selfish uh, <laughs> objective of writing something for myself. You've just, uh, you just tapped into something that reminded me of an interview we did on the podcast just recently with John Acuff. And he said, sometimes mm. the most, um, the most human words that somebody can, you can say to somebody else is me too. Like mm. you're experiencing this loneliness, this anxiety, uh, this, I don't know, insomnia, whatever it might be, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, but to be able to say to somebody, hey, I feel that as well. I'm in the same boat. That That's probably one of the most human ways we can connect with another human. And and I'm assuming that you would agree with that based on what you just said. Totally. I, I think that's it. That saying that is a huge gift uh, to anybody. To, to And that comes back to the parenting thing. Like I, what I want my kids <laughs> to know is that whatever 
questions they have or failures they experience or suffering they have is just to say, yeah, that's not outside of the experience yeah. of somebody in the Christian life or in, in any life. I mean, that's just, that's just part of life. And it means that you're not, you're not crazy for feeling that way. Yeah. Uh, and you're not the, not the only one who's ever been there. Yeah, that's really good. People will always follow your example more than they follow your opinion, right? Um, Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> closest thing we have to, to disciples, I think, Andy, is our kids because they will constantly follow our example. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, obviously, your faith plays a, a big role in, in the stuff that you do. How do you think the church, the capital C church, can be a little bit more more human? Well, that's a good question. I mean, just going off of what I said being human was, I, I think sometimes if, if, if the church becomes more like a corporation than, than a family, then yeah. you start being, you start worrying about making mistakes, right? Yeah. In a family, in a family, mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes and they, they have to be your family, whether they want to or not. Like that, you can't like resign from, from that duty. Yeah. But like when you, when you look at it more as like a corporation where it's like, Oh, if we do this, like, what are our shareholders going to think or, or, or the program's going to be, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, in every way it's going to make mistakes. I think it's more about like owning up to it. So yeah. I kind of, I kind of think the church in general, in some ways, maybe could just be better about being on the forefront of asking for forgiveness when we need to ask for forgiveness mm. and, and holding loosely what they think is like the best thing to do in a situation. Right. So, yeah. so like, I don't know, just, just to, I don't know what that actually looks like uh, yeah. for the big C church. I don't, I don't know that I've seen glimpses of it, um, yeah. but yeah, I think some of that is, is also thinking of it more like a family is like it gives churches a, a chance to yeah. maybe be a little bit more inefficient. Um, mm. You know, like when you think about a family, it's like, it's not all about productivity and whatever. It's about being together and walking with each other through things. And yeah. um and I think, and there are a lot of churches that I think do that really well. They're just more about the being with rather than making something happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If that's a, the the best answer to your Dude, question. But I, no, I think I think you just said a couple of very profound things. Um, especially the what you started off with. Essentially, if the church is more community and less corporate, um, that's a huge thing that we could do in the world, right? And give people the opportunity, the freedom to a ask questions and b maybe screw up from time to time and, and, and understand. So I think what you just shared was super profound. One of the things that I've been processing a lot lately, you know, I, when it comes to Orange, I live in the digital space and, and helping churches with online ministry and social media. And if the pandemic taught me one thing, it's that uh, the people in your community, you know, that a church has been called to serve or, or, or that a church is trying to reach, um, they want more personal than they want production. And that's what I heard in your answer. Personal is maybe less efficient because highly produced things can reach more people. But, you know, uh, personal is, is that that provides way more engagement because it takes the conversation a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the water hole back behind yeah. me, uh, <laughs> I was, I was really lucky to be out there a couple of times with uh, the late Eugene Peterson. Who mm. I just, I loved his example of, I mean, he had big dreams for, having a big, powerful, being the pastor of a big, powerful church. And yeah. it just never seemed to happen. Like he was always kind of halfway disappointed with kind of the people who showed up. He's like, oh, I want it to be more powerful and bigger and whatever. But then really moving to a 
point of just of like, you know, oh, if this program happens and three people show up, then that's great. That's what it needs to be. And then if it dies, then it dies. But it doesn't have to, you know, twisting that back to being human. That's what life is generally like. There's not not that much much control over what's going on, but just to be present with what's in front of us. Yeah, so good. He taught me a lot about that. That's awesome. What a great experience. I would have loved to have had that experience. Um, I'm a huge fan of Eugene Peterson. What a yeah, great experience. How, um, how important is creativity in this whole process, you know, tapping into your own humanity? As a creative person, I mean, I imagine for you, that's very significant. It is. I, I would, the beginning, I said part of being human is feeling your feelings. I, I would say that generally, I am not very good at feeling my feelings at least in real time. I usually uh-huh. feel them like uh, sometime in the future and I, and I don't know what to pin them on, but I'm, I'm generally for whatever reason, I've been yeah. cut off from my emotions. And uh, uh-huh. I found that, that songwriting is the fastest way for me to connect with my heart uh, yeah. and know, kind of, know kind of what I need in the moment and know yeah. how I'm feeling. So especially if I come up against something that's really hard to process. Yeah grief, uh, suffering, whatever it is, I feel like entering into the kind of river of creating something, which for me feels more passive. It's just kind of like kind of showing up and being willing. And then, uh, I feel like there's somehow in that process, it allows me to have some sort of bypass from all the stuff in my head and kind of yeah. do down the heart. And then what comes out, it might take me a while of singing the song to understand why I'm singing it for myself. But, yeah. um, you know, that's what I think is, I mean, not just mystical, but, but I think entering into that creative process yeah. um, is kind of sharing that process uh, with the one who made me. And I think that's kind of, it's kind of a language that, that uh, I can understand a little bit better. Yeah. Wow. That's so profound. We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents, and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. To start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Hey, Andy, what has it been like for you as a musician through the pandemic? All of the above. You know, it it was definitely a different year. You know, last March, just having the whole calendar wiped out in front of me. But we started doing these online things called the Gullahorn Happy Hour on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't a replacement for doing live shows, but it was a way to stay connected with community that I've met, you know, all around the country and around the world. And, um, you know, so it's kind of like it shakes out to finding, you know, still finding that connection online. Yeah. Um, and now, and now things are kind of back to where I'm traveling a little bit, but I, de- I definitely miss being, I really miss being in front of people and seeing their reactions while I'm singing and being able to, I've, I've always loved 
doing events where it, maybe it was more than just flying in for a night, going on stage and then leaving where yeah. I could get to know people and get to hear stories and then kind of base whichever songs I'm playing that night on, on those stories. So I really missed that and have loved the chances that I've had yeah. to do it again. But I'm also, the trade-off was I was home for my, my, my oldest son's last semester of school before he went off yeah. to college. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world. It was, there were wonderful things about it uh, too. And as a musician, I've been a musician for 20 something years and there've been nothing that's ever certain in that industry. Yeah. And I think if I had had 20 years of just trusting that, you know, somehow in the really lean years, somehow things were provided for. Yeah. If I hadn't had 20 years of that experience, I think I would have been really anxious about how am I going to pay our bills? Yeah. But I just, I didn't feel it. It's not because we have money saved up. It was just like, you know, just when we needed it, there'd be like a check in the mailbox of somebody saying, Hey, just want you to keep doing what you're doing. And, wow. and after, you know, I just kind of trusted that we would be taken care of and, and we were taken care of, but it's, it's an, a chance to exercise that kind of faith. I hope yeah. I don't get that chance all the time, but you know, I'm grateful every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Hey, I feel like you've learned, uh, you've probably learned some things and, and, and during the pandemic that maybe you you didn't want to learn, but I feel like you probably have. That would be helpful for a lot of our uh, listeners and viewers who are church leaders and who are getting in front of uh, both a live audience uh, on a Sunday every week, but also in front of a camera to reach people who are online. What did you learn about um, the connection that you can have through a camera as opposed to, and how is that different to what you would get standing on stage in front of people? Right. I was surprised by the connection that, that was able to happen online. I mean, like I love the connection that happens in person and I don't think there's any replacement for that, yeah. but in a time where there's no other options and still when there may be some other options, but like there are other options now, but I still do my Gullahorn happy hours because the community that formed out of it was, mm. it feels like family at yeah. this point. And it feels like we've been through a lot together. But one of the things in, in that virtual uh, world, I mean, the online world, I kind of, I started off just playing a bunch of songs, you know, and then I'm just really missing the connection. So what, one of the things I like about, it's not Zoom, but Facebook Live and Instagram Live, what it does musically is it like really lowers the bar for excellence. Yeah. yeah. Right. So even, even sound wise, like if you're, if you're watching something on Zoom or whatever, you kind of expect there to be some connection issues and then something happens and you don't, and you miss something. So it kind of like, it really lowers the bar for perfection, which yeah. I never really met in the first place. But, <laughs> but, I, but I think one thing that comes with that is like this uh, informality. It's like, it gets rid of some of the, the pretenses. Yeah. It, it, it's just kind of bare bones. So I yeah. actually, when I started, it was, you know, I was playing a bunch of music. I was like, Oh, this is boring. I mean, I just, I'd rather, I want to interact with people too. So, <laughs> And I also like games and stuff. So I started, I started doing Facebook versus Instagram family feud. And we've done that every, you know, every happy hour. And so like the games end up taking up half the time, but just interacting yeah. with people and like not being afraid of, it doesn't have to be scripted. That's, that's yeah. kind of what I like about it. It's a little bit more informal. Yeah. Again, I think that, has that been your experience in working with this? I mean, what, oh, I don't know what you think. Yeah, a thousand percent, exactly the same thing. I think what what I saw early on is I was helping churches to, you know, when when March last year happened, first thing I did was start 
yeah. getting requests for people to from from church leaders for me to help them get their live stream happening right and what happened was they would start broadcasting what they were doing on Sunday, thinking that that's what people wanted because that's the only thing that they knew. But over time, the questions stopped being, how do I, how do I live stream my service? And they became, how do I do online ministry? And that's where right. the shift started to happen. And they stopped trying to replicate, a lot of churches stopped trying to replicate what they did on Sunday in the building and turned it into a this is not what you're experiencing. So, and this is not what we're experiencing. So we're not going to pretend anymore. We're just going to get really personal. And that's the feedback that I've got. The mm. churches that, that have contacted me since, you know, since things started to calm down just a little bit, I mean, they've gone up and then, you know, it's that whole right, thing. Right, right, yeah. The ones who have said, Hey, we're going to continue to do the online stuff are the ones that made that connection digitally and stopped producing like being high production and started to be more high personal. Right. Well, that's a really good point that I connect with is at the beginning, this idea of, I think I set up all these mics and all this kind of stuff and, yeah. and was, was, was thinking this is going to be the, the greatest thing in the world. And yeah. then the truth is it, it wasn't that great. I mean, that audio, there, there's, there are audio issues. And I figured that the, the best way for me to do what we were doing was just to use my, my phone and my wife's phone. Yeah. And at the same time, and the mics on there were fine, but like, but really lowering the barriers for, for me to connect and have more content. I'd rather yeah. have it be simple and just a simple video or simple, whatever, than yeah. to try to, if I try to make it really fancy, then, it, then I'm not going to do it as much because it's yeah. more of a pain. Yeah. But if it's, if it's easy to do, I don't think, I think people connected with the, the simplest versions of things. I, totally, I mean, what, totally agree. what they've put up with, the things they've put up with, with zoom meetings for school, and all this kind of stuff is like, Really, the bar for connection is so low. So that works to my advantage. Yeah, totally. I think that creates a huge opportunity, right? Because the bar has been reduced during the pandemic of what we can put out online, you see a lot more personal things. So I think going forward, I'm wondering if you would agree with this, uh, going forward, the church, the Capital C Church has a much greater opportunity to connect with more people now because we realize it doesn't require a huge budget to pull off mm. something like this. Right. And maybe some of that will translate back into the live services as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, to, to have the, the idea of, of being on like some kind of Zoom service where there's like, oh, sorry, there's some technical difficulties and people have to wait for 30 seconds until you figure something out. Yeah. You know, I've been in a lot of churches where they're afraid of having one second of dead time between this prayer and this next thing. It's like, well, maybe that's being human too. It's like, maybe it takes you 10 seconds to walk up to the mic and maybe, you know, like, that, that yeah. space in between isn't the worst thing in the entire world. Yeah, I completely agree. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question uh, that's more specific around this same topic. Have you seen, what churches have you seen that are doing online worship well since that's in, you know, in your space? Are there any churches that really stand out that you're like, hey, these guys are doing it really well, either from a technical point of view, like the sound quality, or maybe it's just from, hey, they aren't trying to create a Christian MTV video. Like they literally changed the game to do more of the stuff that you're talking about with happy hour. You know, I don't know that I would be able to speak to that because the, the only kind of online thing I would watch is my own church, my own home yeah. church here. And it is like the opposite of that, that you know, we had one camera and, and my pastor, when they talked about uh, my friend who does the, the videography stuff, he was like, Oh, we got another camera. So you don't have to like, pan and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, if we are 
going any direction with technology, we're going down, uh, <laughs> not going up. So, uh, you know, it's a little Anglican church and that's kind of the, the way that, that we roll. So I would not say <laughs> that we have the greatest thing. And I, I, you know, I haven't seen, I don't know that I've really seen how other churches have been doing it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, Andy, what advice, if you could go back in time and speak to, I don't know, 20-year-old Andy, um, what advice would you give him about the future? What advice would you give him about faith? What advice would you give him about the music industry based on all the things that you've experienced? Ooh. First, I tell him to invest in Apple stock. <laughs> and Zoom stock, let's be honest. And Zoom stock, Zoom, yeah. But wait, wait a while. You can do it. Um, the, the weird thing is I would want to say that, like, when I, when I picture the 20-something-year-old version of myself and kind of the hopes and dreams that I had, most of, the, most of those that didn't come true but were replaced by ones that were, like, way beyond what I could have dreamed for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, part of me would want to like guide them towards the way that things ended up going. But like maybe things wouldn't go the way they went if, if I didn't have those things and I wasn't disappointed by them at some yeah. point. So that was part of the process. But um, I know I, I would say that more important than kind of business and networking and moving ahead and building whatever it is you're building yeah. uh, w- would be to just invest in my local community, my friends, uh, and my church, uh, because that's, what's going to be there, uh, for me, whether business stuff is going well or not. Um, and luckily, you know, I kind of stumbled into, you know, wasting time, just goofing off with friends and, and spending time with church, uh, until I realized that I really needed it. Um, but that's what I find myself telling a lot of young artists who move to town. I'm like, it's important to work on your craft and work on your music. Uh, but but the thing that has paid the most dividends in my life has been what I've invested in my local community. Wow. That's really good, dude. Um, thank you for sharing that. That's really good. What I love is, I, again, I love that you took your time to answer that. And the perfectionist thing, the produ- producing to do would be to edit out those pauses. I don't want to edit out those pauses because, again, it shows the humanness of you to really ponder through that question a little bit rather than just giving a an off the cuff, shallow answer. You, you, you gave it some thought. I really like that. Well, I'm, I'm trying to cut down the, the blank space because I'm not a quick thinker. So this is as quick as I can think. I love it. I absolutely love it. Hey, Andy, for the people who want to get connected with you, um, how can they do that? What, what are you working on? What have you got coming out and how can people access it? Um, I mean, it's, it's easy, you know, like on, my name, Andy Gullihorn. There aren't other Andy Gullihorns out there in the world. So, <laughs> yes. so like, you know, on social media and Apple Music and Spotify <laughs> and andygullihorn.com, all that kind of stuff. And and one of the main ways that I'm, I've been writing a lot, but I haven't been uh, recording through COVID time. I plan on doing a lot of uh, recording stuff for this, for this next year. Yeah. But one of the, the main ways that I've been interacting with people who are like really, you know, interested in the music is through my Patreon where I'm kind of like, what I started doing another thing about engaging online, what you were talking about before yeah, is I, I kind of always shied away from Patreon because I imagine, Oh, I'm going to have to record a song every two weeks and then mix it and then master it. And, go. Yeah. and instead I just said, you know what? I'm just going to post a video of every song that I write right after I write it and mm. talk about how I wrote it. So it's not going to be wow. polished or, or anything, but it's like if people want 
kind of to see that side of things. So like as, as I'm working through a song, sometimes I do multiple versions of a song as I'm working through it, but just to kind of be like, Oh, do I have this? I'm not going to wait until I have a polished version of it to let people hear it and kind of let it grow in that uh, community. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's one of the things that kind of COVID helped me with is it let go of this thing of having that high production thing to give to Patreon people. Oh, I'd, I'd rather just share the, the raw version of it as it, as it's happening. Um, so that's a, a place where I'm, uh, where the new music is living at this point. Wow. That's awesome. I really like, I really like that. Po- personal is more important than polished. I, I think that mm-hmm. that's super profound. Um, being personal, I want to ask you a question before we end. I, I've been looking at your hat this whole way. Uh, I wanted to know what was on, what, what's on, I didn't, did you notice that we both, it's like we texted each other and got the memo yeah. for, Hats I should have worn a black, black hat. Though. I know. <laughs> so what's what's on your hat? This says Rice Festival, nice. Fisher, Texas. I think is what it says. It's a um, it's a folk festival in Texas that, that I played at years and years ago, and I I just like the hat. That's awesome. That's just a you personal know. question from me, not for the <laughs> not for the podcast at all. <laughs> it's it's a good question, <laughs> Andy. What I want to your hat say. Uh, mine is, is a hat for my, the football team that I support here in Australia. I'm in Australia. I don't know if we talked about this. I'm in Australia right now. And this is the Western Bulldogs. They're my football team. What time is it there? It is 7.39 AM. Hence, uh, the YouTube viewers will notice that I'm taking a swig of coffee every now and again, uh, just to try to, you know, make sure I'm a, I'm a, I'm alert and into this conversation and right. for the next question. Yeah. It's, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow morning here, man. I, I did go to Australia once and I loved it. It was, it was a, a lot of fun. Well, we have a lot of orange uh, churches that a lot of churches in Australia that orange partners with. And, and huh. I know there's going to be a bunch that are coming to conference because that's what they do. We, we love to come over to orange conference as well. And I'm going to be there. Uh, I hope to see you there as well. I'm sure it's going to be. Sure. All right, Andy, thank you so much for joining us on Think Orange podcast. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you. Well, that, my friends, is Dave Adamson and Andy Gullahorn on the podcast. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Now, if you enjoyed listening to this conversation, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's super helpful for us. Uh, We love this particular review by Don. Don said, I enjoy the variety of voices speaking the same philosophies. They're relevant to aspects and challenges that ministries are currently facing, and they bring insights to personal and vocational ministry that the daily tasks of ministry can benefit from. Well, we want to say thank you, Don, for your review. We'd love for you to leave us a review as well. Now, we cannot wait for you to join us at Orange Conference 2022. You got to be there so that you can join the conversation and we can continue learning what it means to be human together. If you'd like to join us, go to theorangeconference.com to save your seat for an Orange Conference like you've never seen it before. That's all this time. We will see you next time right here on the Think Orange podcast. Think Orange podcast.